Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. Today, um, we're, we're going to jump into part two of this series called Breathe. Um, and if I could be very honest with you, man, this, is, this has been a rough week. It's been a rough week for our nation. Um, and it's been a rough week for so many that have lost. And this is a very hard message to write. But part of the responsibility of the church is to be able to give a biblical perspective on the things that are happening each and every day. I want you to understand that this, this word, it's alive. It's, it's active. You can constantly get new revelation from it. This is not just something, it's not just an ancient book. This book is the true word of God. And in this book, you can find life. In the midst of your despair, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your hurting, you can always find proper perspective in God's word. Amen? So I'm going to try my best today. Forgive me if I lean a little bit on my notes because I want to make sure that with all the talking heads you've probably heard this week about the situations that have unfolded, I want to make sure I'm giving you proper perspective based upon God's word. Is that okay? And hopefully through it all, we'll all be able to process a little bit better together. If you have your Bibles, it's got one verse for you. John chapter 14, verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. It's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it reads like this. And I hope that somebody hears my heart today, but really hears the word of God that when it goes forth, it never returns void. I hope this can provide some, some peace in your heart and in your spirit today as I read this to you, no matter what your situation is. John 14 verse 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. It's a good place to say amen. If you're taking notes on this second message in this series entitled Breathe, I've entitled it this. Whether you're here or online, you can get the notes through the Cool Church app and hi, online family. But if you want to give this a title, just call it this. Breathe again. Breathe again. Let's pray. <sighs> Father God, thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Even when it's hard, give us a reason to rejoice so we can be glad in it. God, I thank you that before the earth ever began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here. You knew each and every person that would hear this message. You knew each and every person that was going to watch online. And it's not by accident. It's been ordained. It's been set up by you. I pray that the people that are tuning in and that are here in person will hear exactly what they need to hear. God, may I lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. And I pray for some Holy Spirit boldness today. Help me to keep it together 
as I address so many that are going through sorrow, anxiety, stress, nerves are getting to them. They're just looking for some understanding about what's happening. For God, we pray verses like we know all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose, but we still don't understand why things happen the way that they happen. So God, even with or without understanding, God, I pray for peace. Peace that passes all understanding. And God, I pray that people won't lose faith, hope, or love. Because your word says the greatest of these is love. God, we thank you and know that we are nothing without you. And God, I pray that the one that needs this word the most, it'll resonate in their spirit. I pray that your son Jesus will introduce himself like never before. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, everybody said, give Jesus one more shout of praise today. Today, we're in part two of this series called Breathe. And just to give you a quick recap from last week, I started with a passage in Genesis chapter one, verses one through two from the very beginning of the Bible because I wanted people to understand that as we talk about the Holy Spirit, I found that so many people have a misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit and its functions because they've heard when they hear about the Holy Ghost, they've heard a lot of ghost stories. So because they've heard ghost stories, they have a terrible misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit is, and they believe it only manifests uh, in ways where they see people physically acting outrageous, or they get really loud, or they manifest in speaking in tongues. All of those things can be reactions of the Holy Spirit, but the Bible teaches us that the gifts of the prophet are subject to the prophets. So when a Holy Spirit gifting manifests itself in any way, you must know that God, because one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, will never allow something to take control over you that he has not given you control over. You have to understand, you're just not gonna act outlandish. You're just not gonna be crazy. Because if God gives you power, he also gives you the ability to control it. But because maybe we haven't done a good job as communicators and pastors and churches teaching about it, maybe because of the taboo we've just shied away from it, maybe because we've become so seeker friendly and don't mistake me when I say that I am very seeker friendly because I want everybody to have an opportunity to meet Jesus. But maybe we have become so seeker sensitive that we have desensitized ourselves to the actual truth of God's word. And we haven't taught it as well as maybe we could have. And I'm not pointing fingers because I ultimately point at myself. Any misunderstanding you may have about such things as a member of this house, it falls upon myself and my wife because it is our mandate not just to encourage you, but to teach you God's word. 
And in Genesis chapter one, I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit didn't just pop up in the book of Acts in the upper room where tongues of fire were on people's heads and they began to speak in other languages that were uh, unbeknownst to them. No, you see it in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis one verses one through two. It says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit underlined that word because we're going to keep on going back to it every week that we're in this series. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters, the spirit of God in the Hebrew. That word spirit is translated as ruach, ruach. No, I'm not. I'm not mispronouncing it. I'm saying it the right way. Ruach, ruach. Ah, it, really, it literally means breath, air, wind, breath, air, and wind. And the reason that it means that, because even in the way you say it, it's supposed to mimic the way that we actually breathe. So when you breathe in, breathe out. So when I say, when I say ruah, is me breathing in, is me breathing out. What was the writers of the passage trying to get us understand? The Holy Spirit should be just as natural and normal to you as breathing. It's a part of who you are. The Holy Spirit is very supernatural. It is very spiritual, but it is also very much so a part of you. So much so that you don't even have to be conscious of it for it to be taking effect in you. You breathe without even thinking about it. And this is what the writer wants you to understand. That the Holy Ghost is not a magical switch that you turn off and on. It is as necessary in your life as breathing. As we try to talk about what the Holy Spirit is, and I, I, there's not enough Sundays for me to unpack it, if I could be honest with you. But as we try to gain some understanding of the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I'm trying to uh, get everybody to understand as we show all these news clips in context uh, 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 to breathe, you have to understand that all the talking heads have all these, all these answers that they're putting out at all times. But can I tell you that there is not one answer that they can provide that is better than the power of the Holy Spirit? From gas prices to school shootings, the answer is the same. The Holy Spirit working and active in us. I know that sounds super spiritual, and I know it can even be taboo to some folks because they're like, nah, y'all ain't got boots in the ground, y'all ain't doing that. Y'all just want the Holy Spirit to do the work because y'all don't want to do the work yourselves. No! The Holy Spirit active in us will do the work through us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And as we talk about the spirit being as natural as us breathing, there's going to be moments in life where we find it very hard to breathe. 
Tragedies like what happened on Tuesday, March 20, excuse me, May 24th, 2022 at Robb Elementary in Uvalde, Texas, they take our breath away. They cause us, even if only for a moment, to pause and really reflect on the state of our society. If, if I could be honest this week, as a father, that tragedy just hit me at my core, man. Because like 99.9% .9 of the time, I take my daughter to school every day and I make sure I'm there to pick her up. I release her into someone's care and don't you dare think I release her into somebody's care without anointing her with oil and covering her with the power of the Holy Spirit every day. If you don't do that as a parent, I implore you to do it. Because I don't got holy oil. You take some Crisco, you pray over it. The power is not in the oil. The power is in the spirit in you. The oil is just symbolic of the power that is already in you. There is not a day that my child leaves my house or my wife for that matter that I don't take some oil, I put it on their forehead, I grab their hands, we gather as a family and we pray. Because I'm releasing her to somebody else's care. And I have to trust that they're gonna do the right thing when she gets there. But then I make sure at the end of the day, I'm right there. She never has to worry about if dad's gonna show up. I'm gonna be there because where I dropped her off, I want to make sure that I can pick her up. But if I can be honest with you, after what I heard happened on Tuesday, I started having that sinking feeling that I know so many of you have had. If I drop my child off today, will she be there when I go to pick her up? Every parent in the room just, 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 just took a, a, a breath. Because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You put your child in a place where you think that they'll be the safest. Come to find out that nowhere is safe without the power of the Holy Spirit looking. As I thought about if I'd ever see my child again, as I allowed that reality to sink in, I said, how could I ever come to grips with not seeing my baby girl? Like, I'm sure some of the parents that had the experience, they do what I do in the morning. They praying over their child, they pleading the blood of Jesus, and their baby still ain't come home. How do you come to grips with that? How do you come to terms? And as I struggled to figure out how to help people process, if I could be honest, it's, it's so hard to breathe when you have thoughts like the ones that I've been having recently. It's so hard to breathe. But I'm certain I'm not the only one that feels that. Loss makes it hard to breathe for everyone. I don't care who you are, I don't care how tough you think you are, 
Loss makes it hard to breathe. And there's a few reasons that I've realized that people have a hard time breathing, but instead of pointing at you, I'm gonna point the finger to myself because when things like this happen, I am a man of faith, but I am still a man. And there's always three reactions that kind of overtake me that I need the Holy Spirit to fight through. And I pray that if you identify with these responses to an issue, I pray that the Holy Spirit will help you break through them too. The first is, it's hard to breathe when you're sorrowful. It's hard to breathe when you're sorrowful. Our country is literally in a place of sorrow. I watched the president get up and he understands loss. He's lost children himself. I, I saw him get up and say that our God is close to the brokenhearted. You can see the tears begin to well up in his eyes. And I'm not, I don't care what you think about him. I'm not here to, to, to lobby or advocate for his office. He had a human moment, like, like we all have. I, I need somebody to understand the thing about sorrow that's so important. Sorrow is a necessary emotional place, but it has become a place that so many of us have gotten stuck in. People get stuck in sorrow and they suffer from deep depression and anxiety because they get stuck in sorrow. Like sorrow that is left unprocessed can take you to the darkest places. Sorrow that you sit in can take you to places you never ever want to go. And we're literally out here living the same story that we've heard time and time again that so many of us are sick and tired of. Sandy Hook. Columbine, Parkland. We think we get smarter and better after this, but we're living out the same story. And it was only a matter of time before we started to hear the history of the gunman in the process. It was only a matter of time. And we see the same thing. Like clockwork, as they begin to unpack this young man's life, fatherless, mother with issues, grandma trying her best, young man had anger issues, messages on social media. The, 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 the breadcrumb trail was there. We got a young man that is not of age to drink, but he can buy two AR-15s. All the breadcrumbs were there. We've seen this story before, and it always ends the same. No matter how we want to slice it, hurt people, hurt people. I'm not advocating for this young man. I'm just telling you what I've seen time and time again. Hurt people, hurt people. And the last two and a half years have been tough on a lot of people. But you know what? There's been people that's been going through it way longer than that. And mental health is a real issue that we must not just identify, but we must do the hard work of trying to rebuild our brothers and sisters. Far too often, we've demonized people in society that have been rejected, dismissed, bullied, ignored, all the signs were there that they needed help. 
No one lifted a finger to do anything, but now we're all pointing our fingers to point out a monster that at one point could have been saved by a mentor. He's a monster. No, he's a person without a mentor. If somebody had enough compassion to step in earlier, would I be preaching this message today? I don't know. Sorrow, you must understand, it's a genuine emotion given to us by God. And the purpose of sorrow is literally the key to starting a process. Sorrow's purpose is process. You say, why? Because the Bible tells me that those that sow in tears will reap in songs of joy. Sorrow is not a destination. Sorrow is a journey. It is something that is supposed to be started to get you to the place that God wants you to go. The very word sorrow means feelings or showing grief. Sorrowful people, though, are in this process while they're in this grief space. And I know there's so many people mourning, so many people hurt, so many people connected to tragedy that don't do what they need to do to process properly. I always say, don't just pray. Don't just push forward. You must pray, process, and push forward. Sorrow starts the process. And Jesus understood this better than anybody. If anything, John chapter 14 is Jesus giving a master class on how to deal with sorrow. You need to really read and understand John chapter 14 because in John chapter 13, Jesus has gathered his disciples to tell them that he's not going to be with them forever. And things like the Last Supper take place, and he says, hey, one of y'all going to betray me. As a matter of fact, the one that dips his hand in the bowl with me is going to be the one that betray betrays me. We know that, that Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He says, not only one of you going to uh, betray me, some of y'all going to deny me. He looks at Peter. He says, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. Surely not I, Lord. They all say, I'm, just, I'm telling you what's going to happen. Because I'm trying, to, I'm trying to prepare you for a time in history where I will not be with you. I cannot physically stay with you forever, so you must be prepared. See, knowing the whirlwind of emotions that the disciples would have to deal with in his absence, Jesus gives them and gives us today John chapter 14 to help us navigate. So I love what John 14, 26 through 27 says. This is what Jesus offers because they don't know what to do. He says, but the advocate, underline that, the advocate. Some versions or translations like the King James say, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, I love this, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus acknowledges their pain and provides peace to them by telling them about the Holy Spirit. 
Some of you looking for the Holy Spirit to do backflips and speak in another language when one of the objectives of the Holy Spirit is to give you peace. It is a comforter. And I love it because that word advocate in the Greek is parakletos. Parakletos. And it literally means this. The parakletos, the advocate, it means the comforter. Summoned, called to one side, called to one's aid. When you are grieving and when you are sorrowful, we all need somebody to walk side by side with us through sorrow because sorrow is a journey, not a destination. The Holy Spirit is meant to walk with us through our grief. The Holy Spirit is a companion, comforts you in the journey. Why? So he can teach you and remind you what Jesus said to you. He wants to teach you when you're, when you're, feeling, when you're feeling down and you don't know where to turn, you don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit will teach you some things as you're processing grief. But then for y'all that know Jesus really well and maybe you're really well acquainted with the word, you're grieving and you don't, you, man, I don't want to pick up that word. I don't want to pick up that word. You know why you don't want to pick it up? Because you know what it says. And the Holy Spirit is doing its job. It's reminding you. It's reminding you of what Jesus says about you. There's a journey. And Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross talks about this journey when we're in a sorrowful place, when we're grieving, and it's literally called the five stages of grief. I want to tell you what science and medicine says about grief, but I want to tell you what the Bible says about it as well. She's a great Swiss-American psychiatrist, and she says when you're on this journey of sorrow, when you're on this journey of grief, the first step is denial. What do we say when something crazy happens? No, nah, this can't be. There's no way. Nah, this can't be happening. I can't, nah, nope, can't believe it. You know what your mind is literally doing at this time? Your mind is, is, is taking time to filter through all the information and it rejects the things in that moment it does not want to deal with. You get all this information coming at you. So the reason you're in denial, because when a truth comes at you that you don't want to accept, you're rejecting it. You're putting it off to the side because if you're saying it didn't happen, then in your mind, you're going to start believing it actually didn't happen. This is your mind trying to process your pain because you're not willing to deal with the moment. Let me tell you something. When somebody's grieving, we need to stop like bullying people to be better. Give them time when they're in their denial to process what they're going through. The best thing we can do for somebody in denial is be patient with them. Be patient as they're processing through all the scenarios, the ones they want to deal with and the ones they don't. Be patient with them. This is what the Holy Spirit reminds us of when we're in denial of 1 Peter 5, 7, that we must cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for you. Why are you trying to process the stuff, the anxiety that you want to deal with and the anxiety that you don't? Jesus says, just cast that on me. The Holy Spirit is saying, cast that on me because I care for you. When you're in denial, 
You don't have to take in every thought. Just cast those thoughts on Jesus. His shoulders are strong enough to bear them. He cares enough about you to deal with your anxiety and your denial about a situation. You may not want to face reality, but Jesus is the reality that can trump the reality that you're living in. You don't have to live in denial. But usually after denial, there's anger. Anger does a lot of what I've seen all week. Anger looks for somebody to blame. Anger points the finger. Oh, it's his fault. Oh, it's her fault. Oh, it's this department's fault. Oh, it's that department's fault. It's always somebody's fault. It's looking for a cause or a reason to point the finger. The problem with anger, if anger is left unchecked, it becomes dangerous. So this is why we need the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of what Ephesians 4.26 says. In your anger, do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. Why? Because anger in itself is not a sin. Anger that is lingered upon will cause you to sin. So the Bible gives you a time limit. It's like, hey, you angry. I get it, man. I got some righteous indignation about some stuff that's going on in my life, but I don't stay there. Because I want to operate through my spirit, not my flesh. If you sit in anger too long, your flesh will take over things that the spirit was supposed to take care of. Don't sit in anger. But the next phase of grief is bargaining. This one is tough. And this is what I find a lot of people that come to church looking for help. They're going through this one right here because bargaining says, what if I didn't? Ask them to go. What if I did it like this? What if I did it like that? I, 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 I saw one parent talk about this thing on TV. And they said that morning their daughter didn't want to go to school. And, they, and they, the parent couldn't stop blaming themselves. It's like if I would have just let her do what she wanted. No, you were being a good parent. You were telling your kid to go to school. But now this parent without the power of the Holy Spirit, will have to live with that in her spirit. And she's saying, God, what if I did this? What if I did it this way? What if I did it that way? And you begin to bargain. See, this person finds refuge by imagining a world of what if. What if I would have done it this way? What if I would have done it another way? I just want you to understand, though, no matter how the cards play out in any scenario, you can't blame yourself. You cannot blame yourself. I don't know who that's for today. Somebody walked in here with a weight. They, put, they, had, they had blame, they had guilt, and they had shame on them. You cannot blame yourself. Are there things that we cause in life? Yeah. But at the end of the day, there's a savior that died for us so that we don't have to live in guilt and condemnation. The Holy Spirit wants to teach the bargainer. 
and wants to remind them what Romans 8.1 says. Therefore, there is no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those that are in Christ Jesus who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. You don't have to live with that way. You don't have to carry it forever because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it says he that knew no sin became sin for us so that in him we will become the righteousness of God. He took all your guilt. He took all your shame. He took all your sin. So it's not on you, it's on him. Live in that freedom and do not play the bargaining game. Oftentimes your bargaining leads you to depression. This is a tough one because this is the place where a lot of people get stuck. This is the feeling of hopelessness. And you, you shut down. You don't want to eat. You can't sleep. You just sit there. And you just exist as if the breath in your lungs was only being filtered through your lungs for you to exist. God does not allow you to breathe to exist. I wish somebody would catch that. You are just not here to exist. You have a purpose. You have a plan in your life if you're depressed in this. Clinically or otherwise, one seek help. That's why I love that we actually have mentors in this place and we can refer you to places that will help you, man. We have mental health counselors that they can guide you to the right places when you're going through some stuff. If you need some help, talk to somebody out in the courtyard. Email us at info at coolchurch.com. Find us on that. There's so many ways. You don't have to live in your depression, but when you are depressed, please eat something. Like, take a shower. Why, why am I saying practical things like this? Because you have to get back into the routine of life. You can't just, you cannot just exist. You want to say, God, why wasn't it me? Why was it them? It was, it was them and not you because God still has something left for you to do beyond existing. You have to do something beyond existing. This is why. The Holy Spirit, when we are depressed, wants to teach us and remind us what Psalms 34, 17 through 19 says. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. A righteous person may have troubles, but the Lord delivers them from them all. I don't know what has got you depressed today, but it doesn't matter. There is not one trouble under heaven that God God himself cannot deliver him from if you just trust him. You don't have to stay there because the final phase is acceptance. Acceptance. This stage doesn't mean that life just springs back to normal for you. It doesn't mean that. It means you've made peace with your loss. Doesn't mean you don't experience... I know people that have lost somebody 20 years ago. They've made peace, but every now and then they still miss them. You made peace. That's why the Holy Spirit reminds us and teaches us. In Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, I love that, fill you with all joy 
and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You think hope is just a good feeling that stirs up with you? No, the Holy Spirit is the initiator of the hope in you. You need the Holy Spirit to be hopeful when you've lost so much. The Holy Spirit wants to be your comforter. He wants to walk alongside of you through this process of grief and he wants to give you hope. Not that everything will be okay, but he's going to be with you through it all. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and remind you how to find comfort in the process of sorrow. It's hard to breathe when you're sorrowful, but it's also hard to breathe when you're cynical. Really hard to breathe. And listen, I'm not pointing the finger. I can be a very cynical person at times. I got all the faith in the world, but this, man, my trust in people be like here sometimes. Be very, very cynical. Cynical is believing that people are motivated by their self-interest. You're distrustful of human sincerity or integrity. That's what cynical is. Cynical people have lost trust issues because they're just tired of being lied to. Ever find yourself there? I get sick of it. I get sick of being lied to. Like, people have lost trust in politicians that care more about pleasing the gun lobby than their actual constituents. You lost trust. You make all these promises to get elected, then when you get there, you do nothing you said you were going to do. People are very cynical of politics. There's people cynical of law enforcement based upon where you grew up. When I was growing up, there was a song called 911 is a joke. And I'm not saying that to make fun of law enforcement at all. I was just with the chief of police this past week. Let me tell you something about Miramar PD. They are one of the most community-oriented police departments I have ever seen in my life. Thank God for Miramar PD. Okay, you're not clapping, but when you need somebody, you're calling 911, ain't you? But I can understand. See, the response shows me the cynicism in this room. Helps me understand that depending on where you grew up, you might not have that same faith. People have lost trust. It's not just them. People have lost trust in our education system. You got teachers that don't fight hard every day. And then you got folks that'll just be there for a paycheck. And we're literally seeing our kids fail. But I can't beat them up if I don't point the finger at, ourself, at myself. People have lost trust in the church. They're so cynical about this thing that we're doing. What the people doing today? Raising their hands, they worship into a God they can't see. They're all fools. Look at that pastor. Why? Because they've seen leaders in church that care more about their own influence than the communities that they serve. I can't even blame you. I hope that I can earn your trust. But at the end of the day, if you don't trust me, please trust Jesus. Don't let the things that you see me or any or my brothers or sisters do cause you to lose faith in him. 
Cynicism makes you lose trust in people, but never allow that to make you lose trust in Jesus. Why? Because he's the truth. I didn't say Jesus tells you the truth. I said Jesus is the truth. He is the truth. Men, men let me tell you something. Men lie. There are some ladies. Mm-hmm. You ain't safe. Women lie. Fellas like, yeah. Men lie. Women lie. But the spirit cannot lie because it is truth. It can't. It's incapable of lying. It's impossible for the spirit to lie. This is why John 14, once again, master's class on how to deal with this stuff. John 14, 16 through 20. And I will ask the father. This is Jesus. He said, hey, I'm going to get the comforter for you to help you process your sorrow and your grief. He's going to walk alongside of you. But then he goes on to say, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate, paraclete, right? To help you and be with you forever. He's coming. He ain't going nowhere. And it's called the spirit of what? Truth. The advocate, the Holy Spirit is also known as the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. Wow. Because it neither sees him or knows him. You wonder why you're being lied to all the time? Because the, the world is a liar and the truth ain't in it. Neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live also will, you also will live on the day you will recognize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Because the world is a liar, you cannot find the truth in the world. The truth can never come from a place of lies. When your truth comes from a source that is incapable of truth, it makes you cynical. The world is nothing but a liar. And so is the flesh. That's why you don't have to teach kids to lie. You know why they lie? Self-preservation. They know they did something wrong. They know you coming. You did that? No. I didn't teach my kid how to do that. Let me tell you why that happened. It's a very deep and theological thing. Because your flesh wants to preserve itself for as long as it can. Galatians 5 tells us that the spirit and the flesh are at odds with one another. So your flesh wants to do what it can to survive. Because it knows there's an expiration date on it. Your spirit, the part of you that comes directly from God when he breathed the breath, the ruach of life into your lungs, that will live forever in all of eternity. So the spirit is always trying to get your flesh to do the right things because your flesh only wants to pacify itself because it knows that its days are numbered. But the spirit is saying, do things the right way on this side or your spirit. Spirit will live forever, but it will not be where you want it to. You don't have to teach kids to lie. They do it because they don't understand the 
difference because they do not understand the knowledge of the spirit or have the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They will do things to preserve something that's dying anyway. But when you know better, you do better. I, I, I love I love this because your truth has to come from a source that is capable of the truth. If not, it will force you to be cynical. Do not trust the world. Trust the truth that is in you. Don't mistake when I say trust the truth that is in you for it being my truth. When I say my, I mean yours. People love that saying, it's my truth. Okay. It's your truth. But how can you have truth when where you come from is from the dirt. How can you have truth in you when the place you come from does not have truth? That's why I love, I, I love this because our truth does not come from us, the things that we want to be true because it feels good. Our truth comes from the spirit of truth that is, once again, it's a deposit. Second Corinthians 5, I've given you a deposit. If you can deposit something, you can withdraw it. So I've had, I had in my life, in your life, we've all got a deposit of truth in us that comes from the spirit of the living God because on our own, there is no truth in us. We are flesh. There is no truth. So the Holy Spirit is literally Jesus living inside of it. Uh, like when you're a kid and it's like Jesus lives in your heart. You know what they meant? They meant the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth is living in you. God's deposit of his spirit is living in each and every one of us, and that's where you hear the truth. So when they put the cartoon with the little devil on the one shoulder and the angel on the other, the enemy is your flesh. That's you. That's what you naturally want to do. But the spirit of truth, your people call it a conscience, but it's only the Holy Spirit trying to tell you the right things to do. The reason we don't go with it because it's hard to do things that are truthful. Truth hurts. You see, when the Holy Spirit is in you, it makes you live out the truth. So now you must be wondering, what is truth? What is truth? Truth is, you can't say you love Jesus and act like the world. 1 John 5, 18 through 20. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. I'm going to read that again. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin the one who was born of a god keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them we know that we are children of god and that the whole world is under control of the evil one we also know we know also that the son of god has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true by being in his son Jesus Christ he is the true God and eternal life here's some more truth truth is words ain't enough first John 318 dear children let us not love with words of speech but with actions and in truth Talking heads ain't gonna figure out this problem. 
Faith without works is dead. I don't want to be a dead church. I want to be in a live church. I want to be active. That's why some of y'all don't even know, but we marched around this building yesterday like it was Jericho casting out every demon we could because we said that the enemy cannot have our kids. We ready to stand on the front lines and do the unpopular work that ain't nobody willing to do. And I know it was some cars honking at us, probably people thinking we was crazy as we was marching, as we was praising, as we was praying, but I'm willing to do the unpopular things so that we can see a generation saved by the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to just sit back and pray. I'm going to make sure I'm doing what's necessary to get the work done. Truth is, whether you want to believe this or not, there's only one way to God. John 14, 6, same chapter. He's trying to let his disciples know. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Let me tell you something. Your chanting, your crystals, all this other stuff you want to add on top of Jesus is convoluting the message. You are diluting the Savior. You can say what you want to say, but nothing can corrupt the blood of Jesus that washes us white as snow. I ain't adding nothing on it, and I ain't taking nothing away because Revelations tells us that we will be judged if we add to this book. We will be judged if we take it away. Let me tell you something. The only thing I need is a concentrated, potent prescription of Jesus. All that other stuff don't matter. Truth is, only real freedom is found in truth. John 8.32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You could keep lying to yourself all you want to. Only the truth of the Holy Spirit will give you freedom from whatever bondage or addiction or generational curse you think you may be facing today. You got the truth about it. Today, I find comfort in the spirit of truth. But finally, as the band comes back, it's hard to breathe when you're sorrowful. It's hard to breathe when you're cynical. It's really hard to breathe when you're stagnant. To breathe, your lungs must expand and contract. The only lungs that don't expand or contract are found in lifeless bodies. You cannot be stagnant. There must be movement. The very word stagnant means showing no activity. Dull, sluggish. I don't want to be dull and sluggish. A lot of people don't like this Christian life that we talk about because we are so dull and sluggish at times. They lie, you got the spirit of God in you and your life just ain't fun. I have a real fun life. Because I'm active. I'm moving. I'm living life on purpose. How are people going to want to be like us when the example that we show them is dull and sluggish? See, stagnant people 
and I've been guilty of this, I've had this reaction in life, especially when I see a problem that's too big. When you see a problem that's too big, you become stagnant because stagnant people do nothing because they feel powerless in a situation. You ever felt like that or is it just me? Sometimes like, God, what am I gonna do? It's just me. I'm a, I'm a dude from Carroll City. Like, what, what am I supposed to do about this? It's a big problem. And instead of doing something, I do nothing because I don't know what to do because I feel power. John 14, 12 says, I love that Jesus says this, and it's the key to all of it. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater than these. Jesus looked at his disciples and says, you're going to do better stuff than you ever saw me do. Like Jesus walked on water. He fed thousands. He raised people from the dead. He looks at his disciples and says, you will do greater things than me. That wasn't just a promise for the disciples. That's a promise for us. We read this today in 2022, and Jesus is telling somebody, you will do greater things than me. Why? Because anytime you see a because, it gives you the reason. He says, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Because I am going to the Father. Because I am going to the Father. That is so powerful. Do you understand the trust that Jesus has for you? He leaves you to do, he leaves you to do greater things. <laughs> we have access to this promise only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the true key to the verse that I just read you is because I am going to the Father. As sorrowful as it may have been for the apostles to think about a world without Jesus, the truth is we can only access power to do greater things than Jesus because of his physical absence on the earth. I want you to catch that. Here's what you need to understand about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, of the Godhead, that lives and acts as Jesus within all of us at the same time all over the world in the physical absence of Jesus Christ himself. Why is that important? Jesus was not omnipresent. Jesus was a man. So he was bound by being in one place at a time. How do I know that? Because Jesus walked everywhere. He went from one place, he did something. Everybody heard about it. He went to another place, he did something. Everybody heard about it. He was a man. He was all God. Yes, he could do miracles, but he was still bound by the body that God had put him in. So he can only be one place at a time. Jesus was not omnipresent. The Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is. And I love this because 
when you have Jesus in your life, the spirit is operating in you. So it is literally as if the power of Jesus is on the inside of you, wherever you are, to do the work that Jesus was doing while he was here and do greater things than he did when he was here. Literally, you can look at the Holy Spirit like a multiplier and a magnifier of who Jesus is. Because instead of Jesus doing miracles in one place, he can do miracles all over the world at the same time through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. It's a beautiful thing. That word advocate, the parakletos, as it is said in the Greek, there's another definition for it. It says, in the widest sense, I love it because it's expanding on the power of Jesus in us, the helper, the aider, the assistant called the Holy Spirit is destined to take the place of Christ with the apostles only after his ascension, after his ascension to the Father to lead them to the deeper knowledge of gospel truth to give them divine strength needed to enable them to undergo trials and persecutions on behalf of a divine kingdom. Through the heavenly ascension of Jesus, Jesus going back up to sit at the right hand of his father, he literally multiplies himself in us through the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of preaching the gospel and being the good news to a lost and dying generation. The Holy Spirit multiplies Jesus on the earth in all of us. What am I trying to tell you? The Spirit works within you to do the work in the absence of Jesus Christ on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. It empowers you to do the work so you can't stay stagnant. The Holy Spirit's only in you because you got work to do. <laughs> what am I trying to tell you? Apathy is a cop-out. Problem's too big, I can't do nothing. Do you know who lives in you? The Spirit of the living God is in you to do work. Jesus will only tell you faith without works is dead because he's equipped you to do the work. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Apathy is a cop-out because there's always something to be done when the power of the Holy Spirit flows through you because the reality is the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You can't just sit there stagnant. What's the point of loving Jesus, accepting who he is, if you don't allow his power to operate through you? So many of us are stagnant when we literally have the superpower of the Holy Spirit living in us. Jesus, I love him because he left us, but never left us helpless. He left us with the helper. He left us with the comforter. He left us with the advocate. He left us with the paraclete. He left us with the power of the Holy Ghost. He left us, but he did not leave us helpless. He left us hopeful through the Holy Spirit to be helpful. I got hope through the Holy Spirit so I can be helpful 
find comfort in the power of the Holy Spirit today that gives you the power to free yourself from a stagnant life. You don't have to keep living the same life. Some of y'all, man, people ask me to pray for them all the time. Pastor, I need help finding my purpose. Listen, you got to dig into the spirit that's in you. I often said it like this, man. You take what talent God has put in your hand, you connect it with your spirit, connect it with your heart. That's your purpose. Whatever God's given you, connect it with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit do its work. It's an amplifier. It's a multiplier. Let him multiply it in you and do beautiful things in this world that only you can do. You might be, you might feel powerless to help in a situation. It's because you haven't accessed the tools that God put in you. So what do we do now? Knowing that we got power to not be stagnant. What do we do? Knowing that we can't be sorrowful. We can't be cynical and we can't be stagnant. The first thing we're going to do is pray. We're going to pray because there's been a lot of loss endured. Before we go out and flip the world upside down, first we're going to mourn with those who mourn. And we're going to pray so that God brings them peace. And I'm being real intentional about this prayer today. We're going to pray for every victim by name. You're going to see their faces on the screen. And it should motivate you to want to do something. What I'm trying to do is get the spirit to wake up inside of you. You should feel something. You might feel sorrow. It's okay. Don't stay there. You might feel angry. That's okay. Don't stay there. You might feel something welled up in you, but you should feel something. The, 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 the worst response in the world is apathy. I feel nothing. But the living spirit, the spirit of the living God inside you should make you feel something. So today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you hear our cries as a congregation, as a church, who will not be apathetic to the cries of others. And we pray for every family that has been traumatized by this tragedy. God, the families in Buffalo, the families in California, the families that have been dealing with so much pain and so much loss. But God, we especially want to lift up the families of these babies. These kids that were just living and trying to experience life but the enemy wanted to snuff them out because he knew their potential and he was jealous of it. So God, I lift up Alexandria, Anaya Rubio. Give her family passes to peace, peace that passes all understanding. For Alethea Ramirez, lift her up right now. God, for A. Marie Jo Garza, for Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, for Alejandra Cruz Torres, for Eliana Eli Garcia, for Eva Mirielez, for Irma Garcia, Jackie Cazares, Jayla Nicole Silguro, JC Luvanos, Jose Flores, Layla Salazar, Mady Rodriguez, 
Markenna Lee Elrod, Miranda Mathis, Navey Bravo, Rogelio Torres, Tess Marie Mata, Uzziah Garcia, and Xavier Lopez. So many families feeling pain today, God! But you know them full well. And God, I pray that you wrap all those babies in your arms right now. Because as much as their parents want to hug them, I have confidence knowing that they're with you. God, I pray for all those that have suffered pain, suffered loss, the hands of violence. God, I pray that we would not be apathetic towards their cause. I pray that we would not forget their names. I said 21 names today, but God, there's countless others. Families we don't know. Names that have never been televised. And I pray we are not a people that gets complacent when we hear about these things, that feels so overwhelmed that we feel like there's nothing that we can do. But God, I pray for every parent that lost a child, every brother that lost a sister, every sister that lost a brother, every grandparent that lost a grandbaby, every friend that lost a friend. God, I pray that you would heal their broken hearts. There may always be sorrow, but I pray somewhere along the journey there is acceptance. And I know that doesn't make anything better, but God, let them know that there is a Holy Spirit deep inside their soul that just wants to comfort them and walk alongside them in the journey. God, help us. Help us help this nation heal. We're tired of looking at politicians for answers. The Holy Spirit is the only answer we got, but it only works when it's active through us. So God, use us. Use us to make things right that are wrong. Use us to stand up when nobody else wants to stand. Use us to take up the causes of the downtrodden, the disenfranchised, and the brokenhearted. Let your spirit work through us today and every day. And let us not just wait for a tragedy to react, but God, may we be first responders before the tragedy strikes. God, I pray that our prayers and our actions will prevent things from happening in the name of Jesus. So we're tired of this story, God. We're not looking for answers. Make us an answer. We want to be the answers in the mighty name of Jesus. So we're asking for your Holy Spirit to work through. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. None of those people that I mentioned knew what that day would bring. But I pray they're all at peace now. You see, James 4, 13 through 14 says, Come now, 
You say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make a profit. You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist. I've often heard it said it like this, you are but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Why do I go so hard from this pulpit? Because life is not promised to any of us. And I do it to provide and afford you the same opportunity that was given to me, a sinner saved by grace. I thank God somebody preached Jesus to me because I didn't know how much time I have. But if I left this earth tomorrow, I would be confident that at least while I was here, I allowed the Spirit to work in me to give you an opportunity to know who Jesus is. For life is but a vapor. It's here one minute, it's going the next. You could be walking into a school. You could be walking into a grocery store. You could even be sitting in a church like this one. And it's not promised. It's time to stop playing games with God. Maybe you found it hard to breathe in this season. Today and every day, the Holy Spirit can give you the power to breathe again. You can breathe. Pastor, I can't with all this stuff. It's okay. You can on your own. The Holy Spirit can give you the power to breathe again. You say, how do I know? Because John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, but also trust in me. That's the word directly from the mouth of Jesus straight to your spirit today. You've been trusting in things that are literally making it hard for you to breathe. Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. Trust in God, but also trust in me. See, first we pray, but finally, you want to breathe again? All you got to do is trust Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Enemy's been messing with some of y'all for the longest time. Let me tell you something. He has no power over your life. But the devil can only read your story. He cannot write it. Jesus knows everything about you. He loves you. Will you trust him? Life is but a vapor. It's here a moment. It's going to next. But if you give your life over to Jesus, I promise you, the power of the Holy Spirit will rest on you. And you don't just have to sit back and pray. It'll give you the power to act. If you need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, maybe you said the prayer before, maybe you never said it. Maybe you've never known him. Maybe you have. But you know you ain't been taking this thing as serious as you need to. Don't be troubled. Trust in God. But Jesus says, trust in me. 
you need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to breathe again today, you've been finding it hard to breathe, every head bowed, every eye closed, call is simple, my call is clear. Say, Pastor, I need Jesus to help me breathe again. If you trust Jesus, the Holy Spirit will empower you. He will give you peace that passes all understanding. He will comfort you and empower you to move forward in Jesus' name. Say you want Jesus on the count of three. Here we go. Don't look at your neighbor. They can't make this decision for you. Don't worry about what they're doing, man. In the annals of eternity, your decision is your decision. Nobody else can make it for And I'm not telling you life is but a vapor to scare you. We just see how fragile life is. And I want to make sure you got an opportunity to accept Jesus. One Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. I'm not asking you if you need more money in your bank account. I'm not asking you if you need a personal healing. I'm not asking you for that. Because we all need to be healed of sin. And you can only get that healing from Jesus himself. Need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior on the count of three. Here online, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see you. Hold it up, hold it up, hold it up. Yep, I see you, I see you. Yep. Hallelujah, I see you. Do me a favor. If your hands up, stand up. It's okay. Hands up, stand up. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. I know it's scary. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if you deny me before, man, I'll deny you in front of my father. Listen, don't be scared. I want everybody standing. I'll make it less scary for you. Because I know there's people that need to move. They're resistant. They're sorrowful. They're cynical. They're stagnant. Can't breathe again if you don't move. Just can't. Count of three. If you know you need to get down here, when I count to three, you leave from where you are, you walk down to this altar, I will pray with you. Say, I need to breathe again. Say, I need Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. Come. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. Nothing to be scared of. Come. Come. Thank you, sis. Appreciate you. Come. Yep. Come. 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 I do this every week because I know how hard this is. You say, man, that's awkward. You know what's really awkward? Knowing you need Jesus, but you can't admit it. It's a family, man. I can't tell you how many times I've taken that walk, and I needed to. And I'm glad I did. Best thing I ever did in my life. If you're out there right now, I just want to make sure, once again, opportunity. It's an opportunity. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, man, if you need to go and you scared, I'll go with you. If they say, yeah, just grab them by the hand and walk them down here. Go ahead. Just ask right now. I just want to make sure. You ain't got to do nothing alone. Just want to know who I'm praying for. Yeah, see? That's okay. That ain't that bad. See? I knew it. Yep. Yeah, I always know. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the prompt. When the spirit tells you you have to do something, you can't let it go. You can't just be like, ah, they ain't move. Nah, no, I can't let it go because I know what the spirit has spoken to me. I already know. When you live on purpose, you don't just let moments pass by.
Y'all come over here, slide over here for me. You want to come? You can come. It's not too late. I said I wasn't going to do that today. I want you to reach your hands towards them. Bible says in Romans 10 9 that when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart he is raised from the dead you're saved that's it you don't have to know every book of the Bible every verse I'm a pastor I wish I did but I keep reading it because I'm hard-headed I just keep reading it and it keeps showing me new things but more than anything it's just giving me more of a compassion for people man the worst thing that could happen in the world is to know you had an opportunity to help somebody and you just don't do it. I just can't live like that. And I don't want you to live like that either. Jesus is going to set you free. Go raise your hands to the heavens. Maybe you up here. You say, why? Just sign the surrender saying, God, I'm all yours. I want everybody in this place online to repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I've, sinned. I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness, to take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me into your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 You can't be crying and catching at the same time. If you made that decision, man, I, I, I'm proud of you. And I got a gift for you. There's a Bible in here. There's like a WWJD bracelet. And there's a letter from me and Pastor Joe. But here's the other thing. If you made the decision today, maybe you've never done it or you have before, I want you to truly understand what you're doing. So we got a team that's going to help you. They'll pray with you. They'll ask them whatever question you got to ask them. We ain't scared of your questions because the Bible has all the answers. And if they ain't got it, they'll say, give me a minute. And they'll go find it or they'll find me and I'll come out. I ain't got all the answers either. But we're going on this journey together. Amen. Um, so I want to give you that. And you see that? That sign right there it says, welcome to the family. That's what you are. And look behind, you got nothing but family. So on the count of three, the Bible says that when one comes back to the Father, there's a celebration in heaven. And I can't open up the ceiling and show you, but there's the biggest party in heaven right now is for you. It's for y'all. And anybody watching online, I can't show it to you, but I can help you hear what it sounds like. It sounds louder than we all cheered on Friday night when the Heat got to game seven. Sounds louder than that. And I don't want you to hear it. So on the count of three, you're going to turn and walk that way and they're going to cheer for you. I probably, family members, they're not, they're not getting raptured. They're not going, they're right, they'll be right in the courtyard. You can go find them right there. And we got gifts for them and we're just going to love on them. So on the count of three, y'all going to walk that way, y'all going to cheer. You ready? 
One, two, three, go. Let them know how much God loves you. Let them know. so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.